Hello everyone, welcome to a hot, hot, woo, good God hot edition of ARG Presents. I'm Amigo Aaron, joined by a man whose passion for gaming burns so brightly that on special nights, you can see him from the black void of space. I give you the Brent. I thought I was the black void of space. You're the black void of talent. <laughs> Bam! How's right, it going this I week? Quit. Oh no, wait, I'm sorry, you're awesome. Nah. Well, okay. <laughs> That's wow. Fair. I didn't realize it was so easy. <laughs> How are you feeling this week? You ready to rock and roll? I I am well. How about I yourself? Well, I feel great. I'm pumped. I'm jacked. I'm jazzed. I'm fired up. I'm ready to talk about this week's wheel piece. Now, Brent, we spun the wheel. We did. We made the deal. We did. And this week, my friend, my good pal, we'll be playing games on the Capcom CPS1 line of arcade hardware yes now brent i know you went into deep deep research on the cps1 line of hardware now we've both just a, a little personal history we've both owned uh, a, a couple cps1 machines and i think Several. they were both i believe we owned a non-functional uh final fight and i, I know we owned a non-functional Street Fighter 2, and I think we I think we had a functional Street Fighter 2 at some point. I recall. I think we had three of these boards. Well, you know what, the ones I what's remember. funny is uh, I convinced my fraternity to uh, uh, purchase a Final Fight. Yeah. And it was kind of underhanded because we you, had... What? We had rented a couple machines for a, a fundraiser we were doing, and they were in the house, and people could just come out and free play them and all that good stuff. <clears throat> and the company that we rented them for... Never came back and picked up this machine. Uh, we called. I mean, we called. It was we had it roped off so no way could mess with it and break it or anything. And called and called and called and called. And I don't know if the company went out of business or didn't care or whatever it was. So we just got an arcade machine. Awesome. It's still in your frat for to this day. Well, considering the college no longer exists, probably oh. not. <laughs> Listen, well, people are stunned. So I'm going to ask you now. The college you went to, barber or clown? No, I, I, I went to West Virginia. <laughs> West Virginia? Like, I'm sorry. The full name of this college was West Virginia. West Virginia. <laughs> what is going on with that? It's because it listen to this name. It's West Virginia University Institute of Technology. Uh huh. W V U I T. Now it wasn't like that when you started. There, no, right? it was just. W-V-I-T, right. and then it got taken over, and then it really got taken over because it no longer exists. Tell everyone how far out in the sticks this college is. Well, if you go right past BFE, it's yeah. about 150 miles past that. This is in a place called Montgomery, West Virginia, and yeah. I'm telling you, population several. Well, not, not anymore. But no. It was a college town, and I say that in the loosest sense of the words. Yeah. It had two fast food joints, a Chinese place, a 7-Eleven, and one bar. <laughs> That's it. And tell them where you lived when you attended this college. I lived several places when I attended tell this college. Tell them the best, pl the best place. I Well, I, I lived in the fraternity for a while. Yeah. But uh, uh, when I first got there, Mom and Dad had bought me a camper. And I don't mean a trailer. <laughs> no, no. I mean a camper. Uh, yeah. It was... It was... God. What, how would you describe the size of this thing? It's smaller than the arcade? Yeah, oh, much smaller than the arcade for those who have seen the arcade tour. Yeah. Uh, this thing was was uh, uh, it was a it was a gully style camper where it was just everything was right down the middle. Yeah. Uh, it had one of those little crap fold out beds. 
Oh, that, that it was, was it was a tiny. I slept in it a couple of times. It was tiny. Now tell where the camper was. This is the best part. It was a camper down by the river. It was literally at one time. Yeah. Like you could look out the window and there's the river. They had got him a spot down by the river. So you literally were like living the Chris Farley lifestyle. <laughs> it was this was less than a van. The van would have been far larger and more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, and probably had better plumbing. And you weren't what I would call. Uh, a mini when you lived in this thing. You were a pretty big guy even back then. Oh, yeah. So this was no... I bet this was no fun to live in this camper. It was actually... It was great. Really? Oh, yeah. Loved so, it. We digress. Back to the CPS-1. <laughs> no. Actually, it's funny. It's funny. All of this is going to tie... I'm going to tie all oh, of this okay. together. All right. So, That's why you're a, you're a uh, production professional right there. You're, gonna, you're making it happen. That's it. But let's... Before we tie it all together, let's talk a little bit about the CP system. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, it's the CAPCOM, that's the CP system, CPS for short. That's what that stands for. Yeah. Right? I never knew that. And, Whoa, I guess I didn't know. And this was CAPCOM's answer to piracy. It was their answer to uniformity. Yeah. And it was their answer to uh, trying to lock in when once it got its grasp on a uh, arcade vendor operator, they we, they wanted to just be able to keep milking it and milking it, and it failed in almost every regard. Really? So let's talk about let's talk about the history of the CPS here at first. Capcom, of course, JAMA was the standard in all these cabinets, and a, what a JAMA is for those that don't know is it allows you to take an arcade board and plug in. Uh, to a machine, and then take it out and plug in another machine. It was the closest to a console uh, cartridge slot that the arcade really ever got. I believe it's, it was Japanese arcade manufacturers, multi, multiple adapters, something like I that. Believe, that's real close, yeah. if not exactly We'll never right. get it right. <laughs> so Capcom wanted to be able to plug into this JAMA and then plug games into their board. So they have one main board and then they plug in their games into that board. Yeah. So, you know, you can have your the guts of your arcade machine onto one board and then just have the new games plug into it. <laughs> there it is. That's helpful. <laughs> um, so that was the concept. And one of the reasons why they wanted to do this was to cut down on piracy. And the how they did that was... Every CPS board has a battery on it. Mm. And it supplies the board with a constant two volts. And if the board ever has less than that, it will erase the ROMs, which is a horrible idea, which we'll talk about in a second. But their plan, their idea was people won't be able to pirate this because when they take it, the, the chips off, it'll just get cleared and then, you know, they'll have to send it back to us. And they made arcade owners pay for the repairs. If the battery went bad, if something happened legitimately, the battery got popped off or, or failed for any reason, uh, the owner had to pay for that, which owners hated. It was crap because it was their failure that made them spend the money. So that was failure one. I always one. wondered how they reacted to that because it seemed like that could happen accidentally. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and it did happen. So... What they put on this board was a Motorola 68000 running at 10 hertz. Some of them went to 12 hertz. Uh, they had a, a Z80 
on it as well. The Z80, if you will. Yes, exactly. Uh, the sound on this was when they started bringing the Q sound on. And that was... Oh, really? In the very first one they yeah. had? I didn't, I didn't know that. <clears throat> it was the precursor, actually. Uh-huh. And they, that was a huge deal. That actually really elevated the sound in arcade games because a lot of things just didn't have the ability to put really good sound out, and that's something Capcom focused yeah, on. Yeah, they had really good... I will say a lot of the games had excellent sound. Oh, yeah. 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 These things ran at 384 by 224 resolution. And could do 16-bit color, so 65,005, whatever that number is. Uh, okay. Um, and, of course, it was made for their sprite games. This was before 3D because this came out in July of 88. So this was, 3D hasn't been, become a thing yet. This is, we're still doing all sprite-based games. That makes me feel so old. <laughs> well, you are old, man. Good God. So, of course, it had... Uh, 64K of working RAM and 192K of uh, VRAM, mainly to do shadows, uh, you know, different graphical things. Yeah. Of course, popular popular board came out with a few games that you might have heard of. Yeah. Uh, you know, Strider, Final Fight, UN Squadron, uh, Mercs was on there, and a little I something. I forgot we owned Mercs too. Yeah, a, a little something they like to call Street Fighter II: The World Warrior. Yeah, which is obviously where the mass popularity of this board comes from. This was obvious. This was uh, said to save the arcades back in the day. It was, yeah. I mean, this thing had. I mean, look over the list here. I mean, good lord, you had 1941. You had uh, uh, Captain Commando, which is a, was a pretty popular game in Japan. Yeah. You had some. You had King <coughs> of Dragons. You also had Knights of the Round, which I saw at a lot of arcades back in the day. So you had a lot of, of pretty popular games. Uh, I think you also had Forgotten Worlds on there. Yeah. Ghouls uh, and Ghosts. I mean, you had a ton of good big games. In absolutely, there. absolutely. And, and Capcom was a king of the arcade market, especially during this time. Yeah. So why did this? I mean. You can't call this a failure. No, I was, that's why I was wondering why you said that. But the games weren't a failure. You're talking about the hardware. But the CPS yeah. was sort of considered a failure yeah. in Capcom's eyes because it didn't stop piracy. In fact, it did the exact opposite. It made piracy rampant. Really? Uh, it was so easy for them to go in and, and pull this information off. And plus they had one board that they basically had to rip off, and then they could plug all those other boards, all those other games into it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there are countries, especially during the Street Fighter II boom, where there were more bootlegs out in the wild than there were actual Capcom mm. boards. So people circumvented this uh, battery. Absolutely. Issue. So just like almost all DRM, uh, it hurt the consumer, made them pay more money, uh, whenever they had battery failures or whatever, and didn't stop piracy at all. So it was a arcade DRM failure. Interesting. Now, <clears throat> it did spin off a couple things. Yeah. And who do you think, in Capcom's ivory 1991-92 tower, who do you think they were envious of? <clears throat> uh, Neo Geo. They were absolutely envious of Neo Geo. <laughs> now, why were they envious of Neo, Neo Geo? Neo Geo had a successful multi-card thing. That's probably why. Not quite. 
but close. All right. They're kind of related. Capcom made tons of money off Street Fighter. Yeah. But they had to give it some of that money to Nintendo. They had to give some of that money to Sega. They had to give some of that money, you know, to to the all the different platforms that they was on. Which was everything. PC, 3DO, right. everything. So they had to give mo- money to those people to put it on their systems. Yeah. They didn't like that. No. And they saw Neo Geo over there with their home system. Yeah. And they said, you know what? We're going to do that. Yeah. And they tried it. And they made a system that is... Uh, uh, you hardly ever hear about, and I almost thought about maybe we can do a wheel piece on this, but it turns out that that probably would not be a, a brilliant idea. Uh, <clears throat> with a Capcom power system changer. Okay. This was their answer to the Neo Geo home system. And what it allowed you to do was take those arcade boards, yeah, plug them into this device, play them on your television with either a Nintendo or Super Nintendo, more more often a Super Nintendo joystick. So it's a super gun. It is exactly a super gun. Tell them what a super gun is. A super gun know. allows you to play JAMA games on your television. Yeah, it was just a little device. In fact, uh, one thing that was used a lot back in the days, if you're an Amiga guy, the 1084s were great for using, for hooking up arcade boards to, to test them and stuff. So I know a lot of people use those to play games with the place with a sort of a limited uh, super gun. But yeah, super right. gun was, we actually, I built one once. Yep. Yeah. And, and it know, worked. It, it was yeah. fine. Yeah. So they have this, they have this uh, power system changer yep. and, and they're wanting to get it into homes, but they want to do it as cheaply as possible. Right. So what is the cheapest way to uh, uh, distribute your, your brand new console that you're pushing? Uh, through the mail? Mail order. That's correct. <laughs> I'm on fire. <laughs> so, so they literally, you could, if they advertise in a few magazines yeah. and, and uh, uh, some trade shows that you could mail order and buy this uh, changer thing. Yeah. And it was literally, it just had where the CPS board would plug into. So you plug a raw well, JAMA CPS board into a box? Is that what you're Sort of. They actually sold them as massive carts. But inside, all it was was the CPS board. So it wasn't changed in any way. It just had a plastic thing around. Pretty it. much a plastic thing around. That it. is wacky. Because and they how wanted, big were these things? Those CPS boards were like that big. That's the yeah. The actual unit yeah. was was small. Oh, it, so it just sort of plugged in. All, all it did yeah. was plug in to give a video out to controller ports. How bizarre! I've never heard of And the of video thing. out was RCA and uh, 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 S video. Okay. Only sold in Japan. I bet these things are worth a fortune now. They are. You yeah. want to take a guess on them? Uh, I mean, what did they sell for then? That would help. Uh, I'm guessing several several hundred dollars. Now, probably uh, eight hundred bucks. You can pick one up right now on eBay. Yeah. For thirty five hundred dollars. Oh, even more than I thought. Holy <laughs> moly, man! So when they sold these things, you got the device to plug in, you got the power source, and you got a joystick called the Capcom Fighting Stick. Okay. And this was a joystick that you could either plug into a Nintendo or a Super Nintendo, and it had... It so was it's the one they released. That's the Capcom Fighting right, Stick. Right. It was the layout. I've seen that. And I owned one of these, and it got stolen out of my camper when I was in college. There it is. Nice job, <laughs> dude. You took it You took it home. I love it. So, 
That thing was a complete bust. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it did nothing. They made very few units, and now, of course, it's highly I, well, sought I sort after. of want one, though. Oh, well. Now that I know about it. <laughs> that finger thing means the money. Listen, folks, send in your donation. <laughs> <laughs> send in your, throw your money away. <laughs> now, in, uh, I did skip something that we need to go over, because I when we were going over the list of CPS games, yeah. uh, we noticed a few that were missing. And that's because in between the CPS and the uh, power s- system changer, yeah. there was something called the CP system dash. The dash, you And this was considered CPS 1.5. Okay. And it had, this is where QSound actually came in. This is when uh, uh, they... So QSound was part, in its infancy, it was part of the CPS 1 line. And then they actually developed QSound for the DAS system. Is that what you're saying? You know, I want to say that, but going over this again, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that for sure because I'm starting to have my doubts. Well done. I'm trying to think of these games, and I don't think any of them actually had Because I, I don't remember listed. The, that thing ever coming up. Yeah, and I know they had encrypted sound on these boards, so I, I'm not going to say that definitively. I, I believe I might, I might be incorrect about that. So this CPS system dash mm-hmm. was basically these carts that they sold for the later for the system that would plug into uh, arcade cabinets. Okay. And they had games. They had five games. They had Warriors of Fate, okay. Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, I like that The one. Punisher, yeah. Saturday Night Slam Masters, and then Muscle Bomb Duo Ultimate Team Battle. Those are the only five games that were released on this 1.5 is it, hardware. Is Muscle Bomber Duo, that's just a, a, the that, newer version of Sonic made of Slam Masters, right? That's the y- second one? Yes. Yes, that's okay. correct. So now this, what is the, the dash is for arcade or for home? It, it is for arcade. I see. Yeah. I've never, I've never, I didn't even know those were dash games. And it does use the, it does use Q sound. Bam. Okay. okay. I knew I was in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of the history of the CPS, and what ultimately happened was arcade owners were pissed. Uh, uh, it, the Capcom wanted you to have this board in your system, and then you would switch out these ROM boards for different games, and everyone would be happy, and, and they would take over the market and, and rule with Iron Fist. Well, they didn't buy themselves any favor with the battery issues. They were super easy to pirate, and... Capcom saw the writing on the wall. Even though they ran from 88 to 95, yeah. uh, eventually they had to upgrade. And when they went to the CPS-2, that was the big game changer uh, for Capcom. But we'll go over that another day. Which we also had several of the CPS-2 games. Yes. And they also had the suicide battery on those as well, as I recall. Now, one thing I do want to mention, because I know we're never going to be back this way again, and yeah. this is a little bit of history that probably no one knows about, especially if you didn't know about the uh, Capcom power system changer in the beginning. They were really releasing these games uh, for their home system, <clears throat> and they they released Final Fight, your uh, Knights of the Rounds, your Slam Master, your Street Fighter Turbos, and stuff like that. And eventually, you know, they saw this ain't gonna go anywhere. We're done. We're already moving on to CPS two. One of the first things we we'll see of CPS two was Street Fighter Alpha, right? Okay, or Street Fighter Zero in Japan. Yeah, and the very last game that they made for this 
home console was Street Fighter Alpha. Right. But it wasn't using the CPS technology. It had moved on. So they had to actually downgrade the game to make it work with the original CPS system to sell for their failed home system. You're kidding me. So I didn't know CP- I didn't know uh, Street Fighter Zero ever released. There was a CPS-1 version of that? There, sort of. It was for this power system, so the it, home it didn't system. So did it come out in the arcade? Not, no, because that they had the new hardware for How it. bizarre. This was the old hardware, and they actually took frames out. Uh, uh, they lowered uh, the sound quality. They muted the colors. They had to remove some of the color palette just to release it on this failed home console thing as they're kind of their last hurrah. How bizarre. Yeah. That's a weird one. That is a strange one. Well, that's good stuff, Brent. I didn't know a lot of that. So uh, we had to choose two games from the decent list of, of, of uh, CPS1 games. I'm going to lead the show uh, this week, Brent. I'm going to be curtain jerking, but uh, I had to go with something I never played before. Well, not, not ex- extensively played. And so the game I chose was Willow. Ooh, it's Ooh. Willow, everybody. Now, as you may or may not know, Brent, uh, the I Willow the Willow game is based on a film. Oh, absolutely know that. Yeah, a film. Let's let's look at the. You know me. I like to. In fact, I'd love to include some footage. But uh, you know how that goes. <laughs> so we're not going to do that. Instant much. death. Yeah, you'll be instantly a band for life. So let's talk about Willow here, Brent. Now. Willow uh, was a film, a big film. They, they had big plans for Willow when this was released, all the way back on May twentieth of nineteen eighty-eight. Right? Yes, this was a film that was the story for this movie was written by George Lucas and directed by Ron Howard, which yes. is one of George Lucas's yep. uh, good buddies, and uh, starred. I had a pretty good cast, including <clears throat> Val Kilmer as the as Mad Mardigan. Warwick Davis, who uh, I believe played the title character in this, uh, Joanne Whaley, uh, and Billy Barty, one of my perennial favorites, Billy Barty, the master small guy who's been in everything, yep. including UHF. Among, I mean, um, he's been in everything. Yep. Uh, if you need a small hmm. guy, he's your go-to. So this for film, that of time. this film was supposed to be a big deal uh, when it came out. Of course, he had the all-star cast. You had Lucas. Fresh off the success, you got to remember this is '80s Star Wars success. Yeah. This guy was like King Dong when he came, when he came out with this thing, and this was his attempt at sort of a, a high fantasy uh, adventure film, yeah. uh, which followed uh, the adventures of the the diminutive Willow as he went across uh, a kingdom f- with Mad Mardigan, fighting battles to rescue a baby who had been taken hostage to be killed by the evil witch. At the end. Horrible. To open <clears throat> evil portals. Did you see this film when it was out, and what were your thoughts at the time? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. In the beginning of Willow, don't they ask, there's like a, a, a school of magic or whatever, and they say, point to the hands that ha- are the most magical. And it's, it's got a bunch of village elders holding their hands I don't out. remember any of this. And, so there you go. And... The correct answer is your own hands. Uh-huh. Is that Willow? You got me. I, can't, I haven't seen this thing for 20 years. Okay, if that's Willow, mm. then yes, I've seen it. Um, if it's not, then I don't know. Willow was a... Here was So I saw Willow in the theater, because everyone saw it. I mean, well, I thought, a lot of people saw it. It was. It seemed like right up my alley. It was Lucas, 
And this is when Lucas, like I said, he was, this is like before he'd done some questionable stuff. People were like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. And I liked Val Kilmer, too. Uh, this was, uh, Val Kilmer was great in uh, uh, one of the uh, Zucker's films, Top Secret. If you've ever seen that, I yeah. highly recommend it. His comedic turn was outstanding. He wanted to play <laughs> Batman, Jim Morrison, you know, a million guys. Top Gun. So when, when this came out, uh, I thought, man, this is going to be great. Some cool fantasy stuff. Well, it turned out to be not that good. I didn't think it was that good. I'll be honest with you. I didn't like it that much. It got a solid man from the critics, of the, if I remember. Part of the reason that I didn't get into it that much was that it was eer- sort of eerily similar to Star Wars in some ways. Mad Mardigan was your Han Solo. Uh, Willow was your Luke. You even had a, a couple of these sprites or brownies, these little guys that were sort of like R2 and C-3PO. I mean, it was eerily similar to Star Wars yeah. in some aspects, and that made it kind of lame. The bad guys in it, I just didn't think were that interesting or compelling. The fact that they're going to kill this baby, you know, that's not a great plot for me. <laughs> you know, I hope they win. Aaron, they they got to shoot that baby yeah. right into the into the uh, exhaust port. This is also it's the only way to blow it up. This movie was uh, a little. Uh, we talked about Gremlins last week being a little violent for younger viewers. This one's sort of the same way. Yeah. If you think about the premise that there, I mean, there you're, there are scenes where the babies on the precipice of death. Not good. You don't have to get to take your kid to, you know. Uh, uh, so I, I, there, there was that. So I, Was this also rated PG? Listen, I'm much, not gonna much like Gremlins. Oh, I'm not going to get you. Do you want to tell the people about that real quick before we move on? Gremlins rated PG. I said it was the first PG-13 film, and the reason why was it, Dumbness. Ins- it, inspired, it inspired the PG-13 rating. It helped inspire it. it right. It and, uh, and tell them what Indiana the first, P- yeah, first, first PG-13 rated movie was. Uh, it was Red Dawn. Red Dawn. When you said that last week, I just stood there because I was like, I don't know if that's right. I, I, I had misread, yeah, but it did inspire the PG-13 yeah. rating. Anyways, so... The movie was going to be a, the big blockbuster, and it did make uh, worldwide. It made $110 million against a, a $35 million budget. Now, that seems pretty good, but they were expecting big, 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 big money from this. And so yeah. overall, it was this was sort of viewed as a, as a, it wasn't a bomb. It was a disappointment. Now, get this. The reason I mentioned this, this blew my mind. Because do you ever hear anybody talk about Willow? Hell no. No one talks about it. All right? <clears throat> so in 2005... George Lucas uh, talked uh, to, uh, had mentioned that in interviews that they were talking about doing a, a TV series based on Willow. Yeah. I couldn't believe that that was possible. Well, I thought, well, but that was 2005. You want to ever hear about yeah. that again? Nah. Wrong. Oh. In May of 2018, Ron Howard confirmed that there were ongoing discussions regarding a sequel. It would be called Willow 2, clever name. Uh, and in, and then in 2019, just last year, Ron Howard announced that a sequel television series is in development, and it's going to be exclusively released on the Disney Plus streaming service, right? And Warwick Davis will rep- reprise his role as Willow in the film. That's right. So believe it or not, this is as topical and current as today's headlines. If you've got Disney Plus... Willow will be bouncing forwards towards your television. I thought that was crazy. I never thought I'd see that. I, that is certainly Hey, listen, a if thing. the Dark Crystal got a TV show, why not Willow? Well, they did better than Dark Crystal. <clears throat> so, fair enough, I guess. As you can imagine, the hype train was running uh, up on full on full bore here when and it was time for this thing to come out for, for the CPS1. 
Capcom jumped in. Uh, this was a game released in June of 89, so they'd been working on it, you know, right around the same time the movie had been out. Of course, developed and published by Capcom. This was directed by uh, Yoshihiki Akamoto, and designer was Hiroyuki Kawano, so good stuff, uh, and your composer, Takashi uh, Tatishi. Tahishi. I'm going to get these eventually, Brent. Now, uh, <clears throat> of course, again, on the CPS-1. So, what do you play, what do you do in this game? Well, Willow is, of course, based on the film. You actually had, uh, Capcom did two Willow games. They did the arcade game, and then they did a Capcom version of the game for the, uh, for the NES. Now, I've always heard, I don't play the, the uh, Nintendo, but I know you did, but I've always heard that this is a pretty good game on the actual Nintendo system, and I hear that's the superior game of the two. Of course, they could go more in-depth or whatnot. So, but anyway, the arcade game... Uh, put you in the role of the two lead characters at various times. You start out as Willow, and eventually you can, you'll can you be playing as Mad Mardigan, and at some levels you'll get to choose who you play, yeah. which is kind of neat. Uh, so in the in the game, just like the film, uh, the evil uh, evil witch queen, Bav Mordia, is grab the holy baby, and you've got to go, that's right, the holy baby, and you've got to use Willow Oofgood and to go rescue him, or Mad Mardigan at some point. So... What is this game? Well, this game is a platform, this is an adventure platforming shooting game, or swords game, depending on who you're playing. Uh, what I mean by that is, uh, some, well, it's always scrolling, you're either scrolling, or up and down, or left to right, there, you know, there's no, there's not a static screen, you're always moving, and you are attacked by bad guys, and you have to knock them out some way. You can, for Willow, he's got magic, and for Mad Morgan, he's got his sword, all right? Now, that right there makes it sound sort of pedestrian, but you can upgrade your weapon at stores that appear at very bizarre moments during the, <laughs> during the game. Right like, in the heat of combat. Don't be a storekeeper, like, right in the worst spot. It's like in the worst dungeon. It's the same guy every time. It's like, how's this guy... It reminds me of that the hot dog salesman that follows Homer around. That's what it reminded <laughs> yeah, me of. putting his kids through college. Yeah, he's always there. So, when you, when you go to these levels... Uh, you're a, you're basically accosted by different types of bad guys. There's there are several levels. I'll get into some of the levels here. You start off with a level called the Crossroad. Uh, this is a level where you just run across like a countryside. One thing I didn't like right out of the gate on this one is there's blind jumps, which I hate that. It's always a pain in the butt. And you can jump right to your death, and once you jump off, you're dead. That's that's, that's there's it. There's very few of those. No, there's plenty of those. Don't believe the hype. There's plenty of those. One thing you'll come across in the game are chests. If you batter the chest for a while, there'll be goodies in there. Uh, you also uh, you also come across on the first level waterfalls, which look pretty good. Uh, and each level has sort of an end boss. The first level's end boss. You're you're occasionally accosted by these kind of rat dogs that run around. They're all over this game. Wolves, I believe. They're not wolves. They're they're they're, they're dire wolves. No, they're not wolves. Though. They're more rat-like than wolves. They're rat wolves. Except they howl. Anyway, at the end of the first level, the, a wizard turns one of these things into a giant one that you've got yeah. to fight. And he breathes fire, too. Yeah, which, yeah. There's a lot of fire breathing in this game. There's a ton of it. Uh, so, once you clear the first level, then you get to... It switches over, and you... Because you, you rescue Man Mardigan. And so, in the second level, you get to play Man Mardigan. Like I said, Man Mardigan is sort of a... Uh, uh, your classic D&D fighter type. Sort of crooked. Some big, uh, muscular killer men... This, again, was played by Val Kilmer. And this is, by the way, he looked great in this. I mean, I think he looked real. Of course, he was young. He was in good shape. I don't know if you've seen Val recently, but he's... 
not not as not as muscular as it used to be. So the second level is called uh, Shirlindra's Forest. Guess what? You're in a town. You're in the trees. That sort of crap. And you run through same basic thing, except at the end of this level, they reenact a scene from the movie, which is a, a wagon chase, where Willow's driving a wagon and Mad Mardigan is uh, on the is on the back of the wagon, and he's literally fighting guys off, fighting off rats, the whole nine yards. Right. You know. Uh, and I will say, one thing I like about the second level is when you when the chase is over, the wheels come off the wagon, and they just slowly slide to a stop, and just sit there like, oh, crap. I thought that was pretty funny. I believe that happens in the film, too, because I haven't seen the film for a long time. Then you've got uh, the third level, Finn Raziel's Island, which where, you again, you play Willow. Now, I should mention as you go through this game, you, Willow's like base magic is garbage. It's just a little like... It's, a, it's an itty-bitty fire. Right. But as he goes through, he can buy upgrades to his magic. And eventually, he gets all kinds of magic. He's throwing fireballs. He can throw stuff in different directions. He can throw fireballs off to the side. He can do a bunch of cool stuff. He's actually, of the two characters, He's the I, I think he's the more powerful of the two. Matt oh, Morgan, yeah. you can upgrade his sword, but I mean, it's he's never as, as versatile <coughs> as, as Willow is if you get the right uh, power-ups. Uh, so anyway, this island thing's pretty interesting because eventually you get to you get to these uh, to the water. You're also fighting these soldiers that have sort of a uh, 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 a yo-yo uh, like a morning star that you have to fight. They look like Roman soldiers. Right. I don't remember them from the movie either, but they may or may not have been in there. <laughs> you also have to fall. You also have to avoid these giant fish that jump out because you get to fly. You get to float off the water to, to, uh, on this one. Uh, now the next level is kind of neat. It's Sorcerer's Camp. This is a this is a level where you're in snow, you know, and so you're it's one of the, it's a snow level, but it really doesn't play a part. But it just looks it looks kind of cool. One thing that does happen is snowballs run down the hill at you, and you act, you can literally chop the snowballs yeah. up, which I thought was pretty funny. You also end up fighting a gold dragon in this, which is really cool. Uh, when you're as, as Man Morgan, pretty pretty, at, at, the dragon looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, then you find and at the end of that level, you actually fight a girl swordsman woman, take her out. And then the best part of this is at the very end of the level, you jump on a slide with Willow, and you go down this hill, and you pick up coins as you go down. Yeah. At the very end of it, the sled comes to a stop. Mad Mardigan flies off the sled, rams into the side of the building, lands face down in the, in the snow, and raises his head up just in time for more so to fall on his head. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty fun. That's yeah. probably, my, probably my favorite part of the whole, uh, of the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, so then after that, you're on the way to the castle. Uh, you get to pick at this point which who you want to play, Willow or Mad Mardigan. Pick Willow, trust me on this. This is the level that introduces the ape uh, freaks, the creatures, these ape guys that come sliding around. This one also has these guys pushing. This has lots of traps in it. Yeah. Sliding walls, uh, guys pushing these like spike carts at you. Uh, the end boss in this is this two-headed, like, uh, I don't know what you call it. It's not really a dragon. He's a real ugly-looking creature, big two-headed freak at the fight. Uh, he's pretty cool looking, pretty pretty large on the screen. And then finally, you're in the castle. Now I will say I hated this level the most because this has one of your patented like uh, Super Mario style like annoying maze that yeah. you've got to try to work through. This sucked. Yeah. And I got through it after. But I will say I cheated profusely to get through this game. Now uh, by cheated, do you mean you used a lot of credits? Or, I used a lot of credits. Or did you turn on invincibility? No, I didn't do that. Can you do that? Is there? Oh, I didn't think about doing that. No, I used just a crap load of credits to get through it. You're sure? Why? Because I, I this game was hard. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So anyway, 
when you get through that that last level, you finally get to the out. This is the level that's the worst. That level was bad, but then you're on no, the that out, level's the worst. The Willow part where you take over Willow and you have to jump up the outside of this castle. These jumps were like pixel perfect jumps that you could barely make. There were jumps that I just didn't think I could make, and so when I got there, you just had to make them. I was stunned. <laughs> like, how do you get up this castle? And then finally, you get to the top stage where you fight the. Uh, the, well, there's two end bosses, basically. The, Van Morgan fights a skull-faced fighter guy, and then Willow fights the uh, witch to save the baby the, in this chamber. Uh, it's kind of cool. It's like a dome chamber, and the witch can bring stuff to life to attack you. Yeah. But if you've got Willow jacked up by this point, uh, you're, you should be able to take her out. I mean, I think the bosses weren't, like, super difficult. You know, of course, I was... <laughs> they weren't difficult for me. I had a lot of money. So, so there you go. But overall... I didn't like this game that much, to be honest with you. It was, it was, it reminded me of games that I've played that were better. Like, uh, and I'll say something like, say, Dungeons and Dragons comes to mind. I just, this game was sort of generic to me. There were some high points. Uh, the they had these large uh, in in between the stages. There were like large portraits of guys that they'd done like artistic yeah. renderings. They were really good, weren't they? They were decent. Yeah, we were decent. Those were. I thought they looked great. Yeah, they, looked they just, were. They looked they just were... like the guys in the film. Yeah. But I think what hampers this to me is, I, I mean, number one, I don't have a real affinity for the movie. You know what I mean? And number two, it this just seems sort of generic to me. Like, I mean, it didn't seem like they'd reinvented the wheel here. It almost, like, you know how Ocean would make those endless movie tie-in, uh, uh, you know, platform games? This was like the a better one of those. That's what this reminded me of. So it didn't really stand out to me in, in too, off, too much. Uh, what, what did you think of it? I, I think that is incredibly harsh. Well, I, mean, I didn't say it was bad. I yeah. just didn't say it. I, I just think that's think, incredibly eh. harsh. Uh, you liked it, obviously. Uh, no. I neither liked it nor disliked it. Yeah. This is an action platformer where you get to play two different characters which have two completely different styles of attacking. Otherwise, they're all the same. They have the same hit points. They have the same uh, movement. They have the same jump. Um I think that this game had some incredible detail. Uh, for example, when you are uh, racing away on the horse and, and buggy, yeah, and Willow's driving, so you you're the swordsman and you are uh, attacking people. Mad Morgan. If you kill someone in front of the wagon, the wagon will actually run over their body and react appropriately yeah. with a little skip jump as it goes over the corpse. I forgot the annoying birds dropping rocks on you part of that. Yeah. But those guys are also on that level. Here's a, But it, it's a game. It's a platforming game. If you like platforming games, uh, this is pretty good up to the fifth level. The fifth, because there's always there's new modes of play. Yeah. The bosses in it are are good. They are uh, they're good, uh, not great. They the no, they're great. And they're no, well, okay, great, definitive. Uh, uh, I don't know what you would call a great boss in a platformer game. They're good because they have tons of different types of bosses, and they all attack differently. They all have different sprites. They all have. Uh, different techniques on the ways to kill them. Which, in games like this, you usually see recycled boss, or you see a boss that becomes a uh, reoccurring character in the game. It doesn't have any of that. <coughs> the only sprites that are uh, overly used are the enemy sprites, and I mean your basic soldier, your archer, 
They did uh, have a decent array. It wasn't like uh, super awesome, but it was, it was the I've seen worse. But th those are definitely the things that yeah. get recycled the most. Uh, the the spells and stuff that you can get uh, are are pretty different. Yeah, missing some spells. There's a one spell per level. If you miss it, there's no going back. You just don't get that spell for the rest of the game. We should mention why you. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, so the, the, there are magical upgrades. I wrote, I got them all written down here just to go over them quickly. There's you've got a moonlight uh, spell which sends these like crescent shaped blasts out. Then you've got this tornado spell. It shoots tornadoes. The gold spell. Uh, they will. They will. When you defeat it, it defeats most of the people on the screen, and then the coins they drop are worth double the money, which is cool. Time. Uh, which, I, by the way, I didn't know what most of these were when I was getting them. I had to go back and look. Invincibility. Time freezes all enemies. Uh, explosions uh, sends blasts all over the place. And then uh, the crystal spell, which sends this, like, it uh, surrounds him in, like, this uh, uh, spear. Bubble. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So they're, they're actually pretty diverse spells. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. And something else I didn't mention I should get into is this, this is a, a strength of this game. This has two-player simultaneous play. Yeah. So the quarter of the characters I played were in the order you would get them if you played a single-player game. If you play two-player, then someone gets to be Mad Morgan, someone gets to be Will. That's kind of I think that's kind of neat. It also adds a little replay value to it. The other thing that this game has going for it is you have a shared money between. I mean, when you're playing single-player, this is all from a single-player perspective. You have shared money between the two characters. So if you spend all your money as Willow, and then you can't upgrade your other guy, that sucks. Because I went into a few levels where I did not have the upgraded sword, and enemies took forever to kill. Yeah, you've got it. You need to upgrade your stuff as soon as you can. That's true. <clears throat> uh, this game should have been great instead of just being good. What killed it is level five. It, well, for, for, first thing that killed it, it's overly difficult. You get one guy four hit points. Yeah, and you can you can <coughs> augment those in, in the shops. You can you can heal if you're hurt, and you can buy uh, amulets that give you a few extra hits. Yeah, all that's fine and dandy, but having one life is a little bit silly uh, because if you fall off a cliff or something, game over. Yeah, Sorry about I was that. Saying, those blind jumps are brutal because of that. Yeah. Uh, so I think that it's overly difficult. For that reason. Uh, also, it looks like they got to level 5 and then gave up. Because the, ma the maze section, which isn't a maze, you get to an end of a corridor and go into a random door. Of 3 or 2. Well, yeah. It's 2 and then 3 and then 4. And you either have to do that segment again, or it sends you all the way back and you have to do the whole level again. That's stupid. That's lazy. There's no reason that they had to have done that for this game. Sound is good. When uh -huh. you beat the game, there are uh, a, a full paragraph of digitized voice uh, that was pretty amazing, especially considering the time. Um, well, of course, during this time, yeah. they, there were lots of digitized voice. But this was this came out of nowhere because it wasn't in any of the rest of the game. Um, this is worth playing. This is worth playing. This is not worth... Of course, you're not going to go out and buy an arcade game. You're not going to buy the PCB for this game. It's not worth that. It's worth playing through an emulator, though. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's worth playing through once at least. <coughs> this game reminded me, like I I can I can't help but compare this to a game 
like uh, Revenge of Death ad or Golden Axe 2, uh, for example. No. Something like that. No. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Why? This is not a Final Fight game. It's an action platformer. Right, but that's... that's no. Those are not... No. Those are four enemies over and over and over and over. Those games are trash compared to this. Now, wait a minute. Trash. You're forgetting... No, no. No. Let me tell you something. Revenge of Death Adder crushes this. It crushes You're it. You're wrong. It crushes no. it. Well, listen to him. Oh, no. listen, we covered this, it on the show. This had it was a, awesome. This had a... I'm not saying it's a bad but game. But this, this would get... This, this is, is nowhere so near, much better. No, this, this is nowhere near as good. so much more innovation. It has so much uh, more going on. I don't think you... Both graphically... And through uh, 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 storytelling. Oh, dude, You're, you need to go back and play. You need to go back and play the uh, Golden Axe or Revenge of Death. This it's it's a it's, it's not, a way better game. The only it's thing a way that's, better. The only thing that's of it. no. Yeah. I completely disagree. Well, we're, we'll go back. We'll trust me. We'll go back and look, once you go back and look at that, you're gonna feel like a fool. No, so I know exactly compare, what it is. At the end of the can, game, you, the axe comes down and hits him in the chest. When, yeah, I know. You can put no. That's a Golden Axe one, and the second one, Golden Axe, he's up in Europe fighting on the clouds. In the clouds, I know. So anyway. I mean, you compare that a game like that to this, like this comes up wanting big time. I completely this just, disagree. This was just sort of a generic game. It to, to me, you are so wrong. Sorry, no. To, to me, no. It, a generic game repeats all of its levels. It repeats all of its concepts. This doesn't repeat a single level or a single concept through the entire game. It, de- it didn't do it for me. I'll be honest. Well, with you. but you have to you have to review the game <laughs> based on the on the I quality of the game, not. Off of your it uh, it judgment of a game. What do you mean? I'm not reviewing it. I'm telling you my opinion. It did not do it for me. And that's fine. It's worth playing a couple times. It, it's and fine. And it might be more fun with two players, but overall. It's fine if you don't like the game, but you can't say, Meh, this game was generic and crap because yeah, it can. wasn't. I can say that because I'm the one I'm the one that's making the comment. Well, yeah, you're it, making it I up. Think it's generic. So let's go with our uh, listener reviews. Look at Graham, our good buddy Graham W. Vepke uh, had a look at this. He said he writes. I actually see many black tiger elements in this game, from the platforms and the jumps you need to make, to the coins you need to to buy upgrades in the store, which is visited by touching an old man character, which just sounds wrong, but it is what it is. This six out of ten side-scrolling action platform has a few unique ideas: the long upward jump and character switching during the game, for example. The art is nice, the music and sounds are good, but I just prefer to play Black Tiger over this as described on the title screen Super Game. So, I, which by the way, I have played Black Tiger and I understand exactly where he's coming from on that. You know, but again, I'm with him. Six out of ten, that's probably about where I would put it. So it looks I like I'm not the only one that thinks that. So there you know, Again, it's not that you don't like the game. I don't care if you don't like the game. I don't not like the game. You can't sit here and say, oh, this is, it's like a generic blah, blah, blah. It's not a generic anything. I thought it was pretty generic, frankly. No. Tristan, when you've played as many of these types of games as I have, you see the same patterns over and over. So, let's move on to your game, Brent. You've had a unique choice this week. Uh, let's get into it. So, tell everyone the game you picked for this week. I went with Quiz and Dragons Capcom Quiz Game. An odd choice, to say yes. the least. Uh, I went with this because you do not see... You see this kind of game more now in arcades, way more now than you ever saw it back in the day. Yeah. Um, this was released in 92, of course, on the CPS system. Uh, it is, at its core, a quiz game. You are asked questions, you are given four options, 
you press switch one, you either get it right and you move on or you get it wrong and you take a hit. What makes this very, very unique though is it wraps together a quiz game, a role-playing game, and a board game, smooshes it all together, and somehow makes it work. When you start up the game, you can choose between four characters to play as. And each character has a special trait or something that they use uh, uh, to make the game easier. For example, the fighter uh, recovers health faster and you lose health whenever you get a wrong answer. Uh, the Amazon, uh, sometimes you only have to choose between two or three options instead of the normal four. Uh, the Wizard allows you to sometimes choose what category. And this game has uh, many, many different categories. I think it's like eight. It's got a lot. Uh, different categories that you can choose from. And the Wizard kind of lets you narrow that down to... Choose something that you feel more comfortable with. Like if you're a big sports nut, you can choose sports. And then the ninja has the ability to do double damage. And what is meant by that is uh, the role-playing element of this is when you go into a battle, you are faced against an opponent that's giving you these questions. And every time you get one right, it damages your opponent. And your, your opponent could have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hit points, depending on how far into the game you are and what kind of creature you're attacking. So the ninja allows you to get one correct answer and do two points of damage. Uh, very, very useful if you're trying to get through the game. Uh, also, it has a board game element. When you are faced with a uh, map screen, a dice is rolled, and that is how many steps you take on the screen and whatever enemy you stop on is who you fight. On top of that, you can go into inns and get uh, healed. You can go into uh, shops and get items, or sometimes when you defeat an, uh, an enemy, you will loot items. Um, and the items are stuff like medicine, will give you a point of damage. Uh, the sword lowers how many options there are. Different things, scrolls, rings, all kinds of stuff. And even to make it more competitive, because you can play this multiplayer and you know everyone selects their own answer, how fast you answer is how many points you get in the game. And the points aren't related to experience or anything like that, but I think that would have been neat. Uh, you can level up in this game, but it's based on how many questions you get correct. Uh, but the faster you answer, you get a time bonus, which actually makes your score go up. So you can still have that competitive uh, quiz, the natural thing of quizzes, you know, in your multiplayer games. All right. So how is this game really good? Well, it's really, really good for all those things I just told you. It makes quiz games more than just quiz games because you have a few other extra elements. Where it makes it really bad is it's very long. Most people, when you sit down don't try to beat quiz games. But this has a beginning and it has an end. So you are driven to kind of go through the whole thing, especially if you get started and you want to see what the next level looks like or the next, uh, the portraits for the next enemy. They're all, you know, they have several different portraits. So you kind of feel compelled to keep going to see where this game leads. And the game is incredibly long. Yeah, with I mean, multiple boss battles. Yeah. And it, and, uh, 
it goes on for a I mean, we, I remember we sat at uh, the arcade in Lexington one time at the, uh, at the laser tag place, and we beat this game, and it took forever. Yes, and it, it does. It's, a, it's an incredibly long game. Uh, to its credit, it has a ton of questions. The catalog for, for questions and uh, categories is just tremendous. Way larger than you'd ever expect for a game like this. And sure, some of the questions now are out of date. All of them. <laughs> a lot no, of them are. A lot no, of them. No, not some of them all are, of them. No, that's oh, so ridiculous. Some, they, some well, of them let me are guess, region you also specific. think Willow's a bad game. Some of them are region specific too. That makes it a little bit more difficult for like an American to answer, like soccer questions. But that's not that's not the fault of the game. I'm just saying they're they're it's not the questions are good. Some are good, some are bad. But a lot of it is stuff that would, like a, a kid that would play it now would really be pressed to answer some of these. No They're about kid, movies from the 50s and No stuff. kid is going to sit down and play this game. This is, this was aimed at adults when it came out, and it's still going to be aimed at adults now if you're going to play it later. No kid is going to play this I'm, right, I'm going to play some Quiz and Dragons. Even as an adult now that didn't grow up when I did, like some of these questions are really old. And it's so a quiz game. But my point is, I, it, this one didn't age that well. Is what I I'm completely disagree. Now, it does have some problems, obviously. And it even had three questions that when it was programmed were wrong. Let's <laughs> get the wrong. So I'm going to, real quick, Aaron, <laughs> let, let's do a little quiz and dragons of our own here. Oh, God. Now, do you know who is the lead singer for the band Devo? No. <laughs> All right. I don't know his name. Uh, the correct answer is Mark Mother's by something. Mark. We'll just go with Mark. Uh, but the answer given in the game is Bob, who is the guitarist and keyboardist. There you go. <coughs> okay. Here's one you, you you should probably get. What are Elroy Jetson's parents named? Uh, oh, gosh. George is the dad. Gosh, what's the mom's name? I don't remember the mom's name, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember what's her name. It's George and something Jets, and I don't remember the name. Her name is Judy. Judy, that's but, it. Yeah. But in the game, it's Jane. Jane's the daughter. Right. Yeah. And now here's one I'm sure you're going to get, I, I would hope. Uh, the question is, when did the original Star Trek series take place? What century? Oh, God. I don't know. I have no idea. The 23rd century. All right. Uh, but I don't know in, what we're in now. But in the game, it, it says that it's set in the 34th century. Oh, wow. Okay. So, But those are the types of questions that you get in the game. If those, those are the only screw-ups, that's not too bad. Those are the only official errors. Now, a game like this, you would think it would come out in the arcade, and then it would kind of just drift into obscurity. That's right. No. This had home ports. This got ported to, of all things... The PlayStation Portable, the PSP, really? as part of a Capcom, Capcom Classic collection. Oh, okay, yeah. It also got ported to the PlayStation 2 and Xbox in the exact same way. So if you want to play this on, a, on your console or your portable, it's actually out there to purchase. I like this game. I think that you can't just sit in your dark room by yourself and play it. If you're going to do that, you're not going to have any fun. You can. Because it's just going to be frustrating. Uh the best way to play this game, and the way that we've always played this game, is get a bunch of people around, screaming out answers to see who, who gets it right, and play through the whole game, have some drinks. You know, it's a good way to kill a couple hours. Didn't we play this in boats one time? <coughs> we have. You know, so here's the thing with this game. 
Uh, I, I do. I like this game. You know, in some aspects of this game, remember that game we played, you had me play on Steam, where it was like a game where you had the card game fantasy thing, and you kind of went up... Slay the Spire? Yeah. This game sort of reminds me of parts of that. It's in a, in a weird... I mean, they're, they're not similar in most ways, but that, for some reason, just the branching elements and sort of the way it works is kind of neat. But this game... Just remember, folks... This, his opinion on Willow, and now him saying this. Hey, listen, what do you? I can't believe you're defending Willow so fervently. That's bizarre to me. Anyways, I like this game, but the and, but if even when we played it, what'd you say? It's came out '92. Even when we played this in '92, yeah, it was. You ever watch an old episode of a game show in the Game Show Network, and they're asking like, name this tune's a perfect example. They'll ask, they'll have, they'll play all these songs, and people know them. Because these were standards when they grew up, but the, but this, these shows are like 20, 30, 40 years old. So when you look at them now, you've got no idea what they're talking about. That's that's sort of happens in this game to a certain degree. I went through and played this this week, and I'd played this many times. In fact, I remember some of the questions. But you've got questions about stuff that like history questions and questions about music and about movies that are ancient by today's standards. You know, it's not the game's fault, it's just it's an old game. But if you go to play this now, you're going to be wondering what the heck they're talking about. And some of this stuff is pretty obscure. I mean, a lot of it's incredibly obscure. Absolutely. Some of it is very obscure. And, so when, and that's why you play it with a group. Well, also, it, having this uh, the ability to get rid of some of the answers yeah. and stuff like that, that helps. And it does add, I'm not going to say, calling this a role-playing game no. is, is a stretch. Yeah. But uh, it's like calling Slay a Spire a role-playing game. It's a stretch because what it is is just a fun game. And this game is the same way in terms of yeah, uh, you've got your gimmicks, you've got your different types of characters, and you've got uh, uh, it, the dice and the boards. And it's funny. It's to more. Think, it's far more a board game it, than a role playing game. It reminds me of you ever played Sonic Shuffle or the Mario uh, Mario Mario Party. Yeah, Mario Party games. It's like that without the actual mini game stuff. <laughs> but the board reminds me of that. It reminds me a lot of the Sonic Shuffle games. But uh, it's funny for me to think that these zombies or dragons are quizzing you on this yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's the, another ludicrous. The, men, the mental image of it is, this, is pretty. This good. falls into the typing of the dead category. It's just a, a lunacy to, if you think about it too deeply. Yeah, the fact absolutely. That this coming out and asking these questions. Absolutely. But I, I will say I've always been a big fan of this game uh, because it's fun. And the thing is, it's a it's a trivia game that doesn't require. It's 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 shallow, which is a good thing. I mean, when I say that, I mean. You've got your stick. You've got your your four buttons on each side. You sit down to play this thing. There's no crazy extra crap they put in. Right. Nothing to make it too complicated. It's a trivia game. It never changes. That's what I want. Consistency. Yeah. So I've, I I think this is a lot of fun. And this would be a good game to get like if you're a, a younger listener or viewer and you and you want to get in there and get your buddies together and and have a couple beers and play this game and then try to decipher some of these crazy questions that were. That were made before you were born, it would probably be good for a larv, and then for you old fogies like me, who have been around for a while, these will even tax your memory because I mean this stuff's a lot of stuff super ancient. Yeah. And again, you're going to get crazy sports questions about stuff that you're like, even if you're a big baseball fan, they're asking you questions about baseball from like the seventies and eighties. You're like, what in God's yeah. name is going on? It it, it, it definitely uh, lends itself to someone who is very uh, intimate with a topic if they're going to get some of these things right. Yeah. Uh, we did get a uh, listener review on this, again, from our good buddy Graham W. of Epke. Um, his, he writes, Is this another edutainment game? <laughs> I, I guess this was the game designed for parents to play where their kids played Street Fighter 2. It's an okay 6 out of 10 quiz game, 
with a very light role-playing element. For example, you can cast spells to reduce the number of answers, and you, are, and you also answer questions to heal or rest at the end. The art is nice, and is all presented in a board game style with dice and card game elements. Unfortunately, I grew tired of this game very quickly, like I do most quiz-type games. Yeah, so he I, gave that a 6 six out of 10. If you're not, you know, if quiz games are not your thing, this is not going to change your mind. Right, right. Oh, I should mention, before we move out of this category, I looked up uh, what these PCBs are going for on the uh, on the uh, system. Now, I, Quiz and Dragons, I didn't look up. But I did look up Willow. Now, get this, Brent, because we used to have so many of these. I, I have to laugh. Uh, one of the uh, a Willow complete Willow board, just the board working, recently sold for four hundred and sixty-two dollars. Yeah. it's a it's a very it's a very uh, uh, popular game. If you want, uh, uh, there's one up of right now that's available for eleven hundred dollars or best offer, and he'll that's probably he'll insane. probably get near half that. Is that for the whole cab? Yeah, no, that's just for the that's no, just for the board. No one's going to pay that much. Uh, the uh, marquee for this thing, the original plexi marquee, goes for eighty bucks. You can get a repo for fifteen bucks. Now these things do vary in uh, the cost, uh, but uh, uh, you're going to be paying some bucks because the, the <coughs> that's just the way it is these days. Well, plus yeah. Willow was a rare, was a fairly rare arcade title. I didn't. Did you ever see that in the arcade? I know I've seen it at least one, but I don't remember seeing it very often. I, I, I don't remember seeing either of these actually in arcades. What do you mean? We played Quiz and Dragons. We played that game all the way through. You were there. <laughs> we played it. They used to have it at the uh, laser, the laser gun place up in Lexington. I don't believe I played it there. Yeah, oh, yeah, you did. You just don't remember. So, something else I often don't remember <laughs> is <laughs> what's on the wheel. Let's have a look, Brent. <laughs> wheel action. What did for you put on today? there this week? I don't think even. T- oh, yeah, we did discuss it. I keep forgetting. Uh, joining the wheel as a normal piece, we have Windows 3.XX. All right. Well, we'll be looking at a Windows 311 more Man, than that. Man, I'll have to really game. look in to see what new. Yeah, that'll be interesting. What and for our Retro Rewind, we have the Dreamcast. All right, the Dreamcast. A great system. All right, a great one. Let's, let me uh, help you out here. All right, spin the wheel, make the deal, man. Good spin, good spin. And All we right. have, oh, we... it just, it almost Retro Rewinded us, but instead we've got the Micro Beam. The Micro the micro bee. Holy smokes, the micro bee. I don't know anything about the micro bee, do you? Nope. Who makes that? What is I it? I don't know. Oh, God. Well, it's going to be one of those, fans. <laughs> Next week, the micro bee. Hey, I want to thank uh, our good buddy, Duncan Styles, the dunk, who joined us in chat earlier uh, for doing our cool Tron-like graphics. We love these things. They look awesome. We think they're great. Uh, we also want to thank our good buddy, the bark bit, who does our closing theme. Very cool. Yes. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We also want to thank everyone that showed up in chat today. We had our usual hillbilly ISP issue. At this we point, suck. at this point, we just try every week, and just it's, it's good luck. That's all you can say. <laughs> uh, Brent, uh, any any thoughts? Sure. Uh, if you want to listen to us, you can look us up on Anchor.fm. Mm. Uh, the uh, ARG presents channels on there, and we can uh, uh, usually get these up. Shortly after recording them uh, on Sunday, and uh, near live, a near live experience. It absolutely is. And if you want to support ARG directly, you can go to uh, the ARG presents on Anchor FM 
and support us through there. We don't have a Patreon. It's not really our thing. We kind of uh, 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 are, are a sister program to the ARG or to the uh, Amigos Umbrella. So, but if you want, if ugly, you're like, hey, the ugly stepsister. That's right. If you're like, hey, I really want to support those ARG folks. That is some way. That is a way you could support us directly. Uh, past that, and our whole back catalog is available. Every bit of which it, is, which is great. Every bit of it. Um, I do want to mention that uh, we may have a uh, an interesting announcement coming up in the next couple weeks, so stay tuned for that. We'll be more info uh, uh, coming soon. Uh, but uh, next week, the micro beeb right? should right. be an interesting show. So thanks for joining us and check us out next week. And until the buzz off. Bye.